This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies ed tech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and it helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of different tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com forward slash B-E. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E. All right, welcome to another episode of Tell Me This. I am your host, Carrie Borkowski, and thank you so much for joining me for season three, the spring edition, or the spring portion of the season. I hope you enjoyed um, my conversation in the last episode with my mom. If you haven't had a chance to check that out, please make sure you do so. I think it, I think you'll enjoy it. Um, we definitely had a lot of fun chatting and, um, you know, I think we're going to do another one here soon. So stay tuned for that. So today I thought we would, I'm going to do another short um, and it's really just to sort of give you the punchline here ahead of time. It's really about perspective taking. Um, and so I've been doing not a lot, but I've been doing a little bit of reading and between the reading and the continued Peloton work that I've been doing, as well as some some changes going on in my professional world around the program that I lead, I just feel like when the universe is sending you messages <laughs> and those messages are showing up, even if they're in different forms, you keep seeing or hearing or noticing that same um, I don't know, phrase or word or message. I It just feels like maybe I should pay attention. So this is my way of paying attention to, I think, what the universe is trying to, to send me. Um, so in terms of reading, so reading in Peloton. So I've been reading um, Nick Susanis, uh, S-O-U-S-A-N-I-S, Dr. Susanis. He, for his... Um, dissertation at Columbia University ended up writing a graphic novel and the graphic novel is called Unflattening and it's um it's pretty spectacular the the drawings the art is amazing the the pictures and the visuals are absolutely stunning and amazing and the extent of the research and the synthesizing of his own thoughts and the evidence is it's really quite remarkable. Um, I've never been a huge fan of graphic novels. My, our, our oldest son loves graphic novels, and it took me a while to, <laughs> to sort of warm to the idea that this was legitimate reading. And I've since been convinced, and now 
with reading a more adult graphic novel, I am more and more convinced of of the power of graphic novels. So I've been reading that, called, as I said, Unflattening. I've also been reading a book called uh, Neuroqueer Heresies, Notes on the Neurodiversity Paradigm, Autistic Empowerment and Post-Normal Possibilities, written by Nick Walker. Um, and that's also been a really interesting read in this this book Nick Walker, I mean, this is really the the short version of what they talk about in the book, but Nick discusses neurodiversity and in particular autism and goes through the literature around neurodiversity and also speaks to the need and really offers a compelling case for shifting away from what they call the pathology paradigm so this idea that, you know, someone diagnosed with autism or someone diagnosed with another neurodiversity is somehow there's something wrong, right? That there's a defect um, in their their neuro makeup, if you will. And what um, Dr. Walker posits and, again, suggests in a really compelling way is that we should be talking about neurodiversity and our own neurodivergence in, a, in the sense that we all learn and take in information and transmit information and communicate differently. And that they also posit that um, knowing that we all have unique ways of learning and being in the world, that we um, need to create learning spaces with room for all kinds of learning that actually invite, right? Not just make room, but invite all of the neurodiversity that is out there, not, you know, not just paying particular attention to autism and moreover, not treating autism as something that, um, you know, those individuals must adapt to their learning environment, that it should be, you know, the, the ownership and the responsibility should be on those spaces and the, the systems and traditions that have upheld you know, and, and gave power and privilege to, and I'm using quotation, sort of the neurotypically, right, developing individuals. Um, I w I've also been reading, um, it's called um, The Whole Language by Greg Boyle. And if you haven't read any of Gregory Boyle's work, um, it's pretty remarkable, very easy read. He's a great storyteller. And he just reminds us of how important language is and sort of how we say what we say, um, sort of in, in the, the vein of Dr. Walker um, and as well as Dr. Uh, Susanis and in, in how we say things, present things can really can really um, make differences. And so um, you're probably wondering how all of this connects up. And so. Let me try to dig into it a little bit more if, if I can. And, and remember the the topic for today is perspective taking, right? And and reframing. There's lots of different ways to talk about it. You could say you know, perspective taking, multiple narratives, reframing, um, expanding, right? So sort of expanding your vision of things. And so as an example, the book Unflattening is really about this idea of, right, going from this sort of what um, Dr. Susanis calls this sort of flat perspective, right? And he describes, and he talks, he's talking a lot about education and sort of education systems and how we go through this process of 
of being educated. And so, you know, this idea of unflattening is just really another way to think about what happens when we start to add dimension to systems and traditions and, and shift things around. And he, in the beginning of the book, um, he uses lots of examples and, and takes us through um, some history around, you know, early, early scientists believing that the earth was flat and what happened when, you know, those individuals were willing to think about the earth potentially being round. He talks about Copernicus. Um, so as we learned more, not we, but as they learned more about the shape of the earth, and Copernicus set out really using mathematical formulas to think about how to create better spherical models. As he was doing his work, Copernicus recognized that shifting from the earth being at the center of things and moving the sun into the center, things started to make better sense that some of the calculations he was doing, some of the perspective taking that he was trying to reconcile with this new information about the earth made much better sense when he shifted just ever so slightly his perspective on the orientation or the relative location of the earth. Similarly, as, similarly, as I already said, Dr. Walker talks about shifting our perspective away from this pathology paradigm to one of possibility, to one of we're all neurodiverse, that we each have our own neurodivergence and sort of what what that does for learners in the room in terms of redistributing power, potentially redistributing privilege and changing the conversations we might have around, you know, autistic individuals, individuals with dyslexia, et cetera, et cetera. And so, and then of course in, in, um, Boyle's work, Gregory Boyle's work, he also, through his stories, he does a lot of ministering and work with um, gangs and former gang members in Los Angeles. And so really reframing and taking a new perspective when these individuals walk into his, um, the spaces that he has for, you know, for being together, to being, to build community, to, to be a support you know, these gang, these former gang members often walk in feeling like they're bad, that they're not worthy of love or care or respect. And he describes how important it has been for him and the community to adopt language around love and inclusion and the talents and the gifts and that these individuals are worthy, that, you know, their story is just one part of their story and that doesn't define define them and so again like I I'm reading these books for different reasons one was gifted to me two of them were gifted to me one was because I was interested in Dr. Susanis's work and it's so interesting to me that they all have you know this sort of perspective taking message and the, the power and value of <clears throat> individuals and groups thinking and really being intentional around taking perspectives. And of course, I talk a lot on this podcast about my <laughs> my joys and experiences with Peloton. And, you know, the trainers who lead these Peloton workouts are often 
sharing with, you know, participants to think about the work and the difficulty and the challenge in different ways. You know, Christine Dare Cole talks about how powerful words are in, in the work that she does outside of Peloton and then also in Peloton and, and says, you know, she challenges, you know, us, us writers, so to speak, to, to not focus on and not say, oh, I can't do this upcoming hill to actually reframe our, our own conversations, our sort of self-talk and talk about what I can do, what I'm capable of doing. Um, and again, you know, same thing around, and I've heard multiple trainers talk about this both on Peloton and in other spaces that, you know, the numbers on our, our, um, our, I'm trying to think of my, like my Apple watch, right? The numbers on my tracker, the size of my waist in my jeans, the, the, um, the number of miles that I run any day. It's one measure. It is not the full measure of our worth, right? It's one measure. And so imagine if we could more intentionally consider how do we expand our perspective? How do we reframe this moment? And what Dr. Susanis reminds us of, he says that, you know, this definition of unflattening is a work in progress. And he says that in this point in the book, he says, unflattening represents a simultaneous engagement of multiple vantage points from which to engender new ways of seeing. I think it's worth repeating. Unflattening represents simultaneous engagement of multiple vantage points from which to engender new ways of seeing. And so you could sort of take that quotation in multiple directions, right? The one that I've, what I've been sharing with you right now is my own individual ability to engage with multiple views, right? To think about it's the, the exercise example with one number, right? So maybe I don't just look at my, my mileage. I look at the number of hills, the speed, how I was feeling, what's my confidence level, right? So I really come up with sort of a holistic measure. So that would be a way to take multiple vantage points. Um, you know, Dr. Susanis in his work talks about the early scientists and how they really did, you know, some of them anyway, tried to sort of look at this moment, in this case, the earth being round, look at it from different vantage points so that they could see a new way of imagining what the solar system looked like, right? If you wanted to take this analysis or this quotation a little bit further, imagine the implications for this quotation in discussing policy. Imagine the power of this quotation in bringing this to a classroom discussing a piece of literature, a poem, a math problem, a, an, an article from a, a media outlet, engaging with multiple vantage points. So it doesn't have to be multiple vantage points in one person. What if this is multiple vantage points of the many different individuals or groups in a learning space? It engenders new ways of seeing 
And to me, what it does also is it reminds us of the critical role, the value that everyone in a space can bring. Even when we disagree with people, even when we think politically, religiously, um, you know, from a learning perspective, we fundamentally disagree. It is possible that just taking a look at those different vantage points may bring a new way of seeing, right? So what do I mean by that? What, what, what would be an example? Well, you, you had to know I was going to get to it because I've been talking so much about it recently. There's a coaching application here. And in, in coaching training that I went through, we actually spent an entire course talking about expand, expanding. And the work that we did being coached and practicing our own coaching skills were all the different techniques that could support someone in considering multiple vantage points. And one really easy way... Well, I say easy in terms of, you know, putting it out there. I'm not saying it's easy to actually do it. But one easy way to remind ourselves to try adopting a different vantage point is something that's called, in, in the coaching training I received, it's called the 2% rule. What's the 2% truth, right? And so what do I mean by that? Well, in the 2% truth, the client, the student, the individual, whomever this individual might be, is just absolutely certain that they see or feel or think a particular way about something. So I can give you a couple examples. So money, right? When you have a conversation about money, some people feel, and we did, we did this exercise in class, so it was really interesting, some people just have a, a visceral, a strong visceral response to the topic of money because for you know, an individual, it represents greed and you know, constraints and ugh, right? I've just, I remember my classmates talking about money. It just didn't elicit happy thoughts. They just really felt strongly that there was no good, no good can come from focusing on money. And so our instructor would ask us, well, what's the 2% truth in that moment? What's the 2% truth? And what that question asks you to do is to even with a sliver, sliver, tiny, tiny little crack, what might be true about money? And then we invite these possibilities. And one possibility is, well, I could be generous with that money and provide food, shelter, clothing, whatever to someone who might need it. Um, money offers potentially access to a fun event, um, maybe a vacation. It permits me to feel safe and secure in saving that money. Quite frankly, it doesn't really matter what the answer is going to be, right? Because for every individual, for every group, your preferences with how you approach that will vary. What's important about this activity is notice what it did. Just by asking yourself that question, what's 2% true? It's almost like you 
you unpacked, right? Which was what, what was once completely closed and certain, you unpacked and perhaps you considered a point of view, a perspective that now allows you to see it in a different way. So now money, when you hear that word money for these individuals that just were like this visceral feeling of it's just greed, it's bad, there's just no good that can come, all of a sudden the view of money, it becomes a little bit different. It engenders a new way of seeing. Another really good example, and if, if for any of you who listen to Brene Brown out there, you'll appreciate this, vulnerability, right? And in, in um, Dr. Brown's podcast, at the end of the podcast, she asks her guests to describe or, um, I don't know, to do some association around vulnerability. And, you know, you often hear, and Dr. Bra- Brene Brown has said this too, like vulnerability, like, ugh, it's so hard. I don't like it. It feels uncomfortable, right? Like all of these things that, you know, I think make us really appreciate and love Brene Brown is her honesty around how hard vulnerability, that state of vulnerability or showing vulnerability is, right? And then you say, what's 2% true? Well, what I might say about vulnerability in that situation is that it creates connection, It offers opportunities to model other ways of being so that your students feel um, more at ease, that they're building relationships, they're given permission to share something that they may may not have otherwise shared. So again, you, you go into this conversation thinking that vulnerability is just this thing. It's been your experience. That's how it's always been. And by asking what's 2% true, you open yourself up to other possibilities. And I mean, there's so many words out there, power, confidence, uh, greed, like just try it sometime. Think about something, a topic, a person, a situation that just really um, elicits a really strong feeling or thought. And after you've gone through that, ask yourself what's 2% true. What's the 2% truth? And see what happens. I think think you might be surprised at what you notice. So this idea of, you know, taking multiple vantage multiple vantage points to to find new ways of seeing, this happens in coaching. And as I said, we spend an entire course and more on understanding perspective taking. And I know I've talked on on this podcast about saboteurs. So, you know, saboteurs are clearly a vantage point. And often it's the self-doubt, it's the pleasing, it's it's those voices in our head, it's those perspectives that keep us from doing something, right? From leaning into our core values. Well, sages are another sort of form of perspective taking. And the sage would be a question around what wisdom might you you draw from a situation. Um, For me, my grandmother is definitely a sage. And so my coach might ask me, well, what would your grandmother say in in this situation? And oftentimes my grandmother with her sense of humor and her, her years of living 
would give me a different perspective, right? To maybe say something like, maybe you don't need to worry so much about this moment. Maybe it's not going to be as big of a worry or a big of a deal as you think it is. And so she brought another perspective. And so being able to call on my sage is really a tool, a strategy that I can use when I need another vantage point. You know, it's not always easy in the moment for us to see that different perspective or to grab another perspective. So sometimes having strategies like identifying a sage um, is a great way to do that. Another way to sort of um, to tease that out is to think, um, I've had a coach ask me, well, what would your 70-year-old self say about this, right? Or or what would, what would your 15-year-old self say about this, right? Or what would you like to say um, to your 15-year-old self, right? It's just, it's just another kind of question to change that perspective and not to change your mind about something. And so I really shouldn't, maybe I shouldn't say change perspective. It's really amending and adding, right? It's integrating. There's that word integration again, right? It's integrating new perspectives so that you can see things in new ways, right? So it's, it's, it's integrating another perspective. So my goal isn't as a coach or when I'm being coached, the goal isn't just to change your mind, right? Like that's, that doesn't feel as useful um, because it's as, as easy as it might be to change your mind. It's as, it's probably easier to change it back, right? Old habits, old routines, old way, old ways of thinking. What expand coaching and what perspective taking aims to do is to expand, right? To add to, to integrate, to consider that it's like, I don't know, the word tapestry bubbled up for me. Like it's a tapestry or a mosaic, right? It's just another piece of information to help you see the picture, whether it's full or not, I don't know. But just to see the picture in a brighter light, in a wider view, whatever whatever metaphor works for you. Um, in addition to the sage, in addition to sage work and 2% truth, um, a way that a coach might ask a, a client to explore and the way that my coach has asked me to explore perspective taking is, you know, and it sounds kind of silly, but it actually is pretty powerful is to look out a window, to, to look around a room, to take a walk and notice on your hike different flowers, different butterflies, the, the, the sort of rolling or flatness of the trail that you're on. Any sort of strategy that helps almost like pick your head up, right? And to look in a different way at a different thing can help to bring perspective and vantage points um, to any particular situation. The other question that I have found really powerful for me and also for clients, so imagine is is this question of what's important in this moment, right? So we've all been in those situations where someone is telling us something that's really exciting, they, they go on, they go on. I mean, I tell stories and I know Brianne knows from, from our friendship that like, you know, whether I'm really excited or upset or mad, 
like I just the story goes 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 I got detail 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 going 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 focus 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 I've got my view I've got my vantage point and then if someone asks me well what's important about this situation or what's really important to you again it's another this question is a tool or a strategy to just help you take a moment. I just told this story, I just told this story, I'm feeling all this, feeling all this, feeling all this, here are the events, here are the events, here are the events. What's important? Mm, okay. Then you say something else. Well, what's important about what you just said? Then you link it to something else. And then all of a sudden, with these multiple vantage points and this new way of seeing, you're noticing, right? You're noticing and naming, oh, I know, I, I actually know why I'm mad now. I thought I was mad because these three things were happening. I'm actually mad because what's important to me in this moment is this other thing which is a core value and I'm mad not because these three these three th- these three actions were happening I'm actually mad because I'm not leaning into my core value and if someone hadn't asked me what's important to you in that moment I got really highly focused on those three actions back and forth back and forth back and forth right and again it's not that the it's not a case where the actions don't matter They are part of the narrative. They are part of the story. But the story becomes so much richer if I'm able to add layers of perspective, if I'm able to add the intricacies of multiple vantage points. Now I really start to see and start to connect the dots, right? And we could talk a lot about what keeps us from perspective taking, right? We could think about the assumptions that we make about people, places, ourselves. We could talk about traditions. I mean, how many times has someone said to you, well, why, why is that happening the way it is? Or why do we think, why do you think that? Or why does the organization behave that way? Well, because it's, It's the way it's always been done. How many times have you heard that? The other thing that I hear a lot is, well, this policy is in place or this structure is in place and it would be just too hard to move that over there to do this, right? Barriers to perspective taking, assumptions, traditions, systems, policies, and procedures. And so... As we think about these multiple vantage points, engaging these views and trying to, to adopt and create new ways of seeing, we also have to gain some noticing on what keeps us from getting to those vantage points and working to break down, to move around, whatever the the action verb is for is for you so that we can take a new perspective, so that we can simultaneously engage with vantage points in order to see. 
And sometimes that means changing a policy. Sometimes that means ignoring a procedure. And sometimes that means building new systems and traditions. And you know what? That's okay. So don't let that stop you. I would really encourage you this week to try another way of thinking about or looking at something. You know, what if the earth wasn't flat, right? What if the earth was at the center of the the solar system as Copernicus discovered? What if you could change an assumption or build a new system? What's possible? So I would encourage you to try one of the strategies that I mentioned. Think about who you you identify as being a sage for you, living or dead. Um, doesn't really matter. You could try the 2% truth. That's a really good one. Um, and that question of what's important to you. You know, when you find yourself really continuing on and thinking in a, in, in a, you know, one way or similar way, ask yourself what's important in this moment. What's important about this situation and see what you notice. What are the possibilities? What happens when you're able to engage in multiple views? What do you see? What's different about what you see now than previously? I don't know. Sounds kind of fun to me. Um, it has been fun. I I will be honest. I am all about the perspective taking, and I've gotten um, very I've gotten very comfortable with asking those kinds of questions. I'm not always comfortable answering those questions um, because sometimes the answers are not what you expected. Sometimes the implications of your responses mean hard work is ahead. I'm not going to lie. But I don't know. Stay curious. What are the possibilities? What are those new ways of seeing when you're willing to expand that view? All right, everybody. I hope you have a wonderful week. I hope you take a journey and discover some new perspectives. Maybe you discover some some old perspectives that you haven't thought about in a while so I look forward to hearing what you notice what you experience and and sort of what you discover so all right everybody be well thank you so much for listening to another episode of tell me this I am your host Kara Borkowski take care Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, and improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. 
head straight to IXL.com forward slash BE to learn how IXL's research proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all of these goals. That's IXL.com forward slash BE.